0: I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green, they were all of the saints of God
1: and I need God help me to be one too. Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Ivy Swinski and today our guest is the Reverend Randy Callender of St. Phillips in Annapolis, Maryland. Randy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you.
2: Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here.
1: Yes, so we are talking about what I think is one of the most interesting characters in the bible and that is judas so do you have any just like initial thoughts when you think of like judas as a person because he was someone somewhere he was like someone's brother and son it was like an actual human
2: yeah well judas is actually kind of one of the characters i like to explore in the in the bible because the question that always come to mind was, well, who was Judas Iscariot? Who is this guy? Was he a traitor or was he a faithful disciple? Uh, Was he a thief? Or was he someone who was fulfilling the scripture? Because all through scripture, we say that Jesus was fulfilling the scriptures from Isaiah and so forth. But regardless of what people uh, may believe or their opinions or their studies of Judas, I would always say that Judas is my brother. And because I see God in everyone, even uh, with people who make mistakes in lives, and we all make mistakes, and people who the world may see uh, as completely evil, um, I still see God in everyone. And, and sometimes that's difficult. You know, That's difficult for us to see God uh, in certain people because of the evil and things that happen in the world. But if God is in all of creation, then God is within all of us. And so I wanted to start there as the foundation for about Judas, uh, who is this human being uh, who is, as you said earlier, you know, someone's son, maybe a brother or a father or so forth. And so Judas was this disciple who was the treasurer of the group who had of the money, of course, and he's known to the world or to most people as the person who turned Jesus over to the Roman government for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, But to me, as I said, he was someone who really had a relationship, he was a human being. And there are a lot of books and articles that I've read about him. But to just start with, he was a brother. And that's how I I see Judas.
1: Mm -hmm. And how important would the, um, the role of treasurer be? In a in a group like that, because I don't really feel like I didn't know that about him until really recently, and I didn't, I don't know what that means in that time.
2: Yeah, so of course he was the person who. Um, had the funds that, cause just like money today, people who are uh, the treasurer controlling the funds as we see in the church, they say sometimes it's not director with the power, it's the treasurer who has all the power with the money that's happening in the church. And so the funds that he had in that time, uh, he was responsible for keeping the bookkeeping, people using money to move around different world, to buy things, to get uh, food and everything for the disciples or get food for those who were in need or, or hungry. And even as the bookkeeper or the treasurer, he was the one to make sure, uh, as people would say, make sure the money didn't go to waste to make sure everything was kept in together. Uh, One of the stories that really I reflect upon about Judas's role that again, when we give him a hard time was, I don't know if you remember the story where Mary Magdalene took the lid off this expensive bottle of perfume and she started to anoint Jesus's feet with it. And when she did that in our time, that would have cost probably about $10,000 today that took this ointment and rubbed it on Jesus' feet. And so Judas and everybody in the room probably gasped, like, what are you doing? And as the treasurer, the bookkeeper, he's looking at this as a waste of money, a waste of, uh, because not only that it was being put on Jesus, but because normally this kind of perfume, you didn't rub on feet. It was something you put on the head of kings or dignitaries. And she was just wasting that money on, on, on feet. And so Judas as the treasurer, he looked at that. He looked at, you know, not wasting money. But again, most people didn't look at his role as keeping the money. They look at him as his role as maybe stealing money or taking money away. But but as I said, he was a brother who made mistakes in, in his uh, lifetime, just like we all make mistakes.
1: How often do we hear about him? Because I was trying to like, think about stories of him just sort of with the 12 Mm -hmm. and really i think that's the only one i could come up with the one that you're talking about like i feel like we spend so much time like one on one with a lot of the other disciples Mm -hmm. and then we really just come in at the end with judas and the betrayal like i feel like i don't know a lot about who he was
2: yeah and and i'm glad you brought it up because there are some messages that are going around about Judas, like when you think of the culture today, the only time you hear about Judas is when you're talking about the word betrayal. When you hear someone betrayed you, or someone took money, or you're Judas, and then as you said in the gospel, you hear about him betraying Jesus for the thirty pieces of silver, and then you also hear the story, as I just mentioned earlier, uh, with Mary Magdalene saying, "You know, you're wasting this uh, valuable perfume on on Jesus's feet." But there are historians that I, I've learned done some studies that would say uh, they wonder if Judas was this real character or this real person, or was he placed in the gospel to fulfill the scriptures? Or was he placed in the gospel to uh, to show, I don't know, some people will say this villain. So there's historians that's always searching, saying, is Judas this real person or is he placed for a particular reason? Because uh, in the very beginning, when I talked about who is Judas? Is he someone fulfilling the scripture? We talk about Isaiah, Every, when Jesus did things, people would say he's fulfilling the scripture, the Messiah, what they said the Messiah was going to do. So was Judas a character to also fulfill um, a storyline, to show that someone had to betray Jesus in order for him to be handed over to the Roman soldiers in order for Easter to happen? Because what if Judas, if he was a real character or not, what if he would have changed his mind? What if Judas said, you know what? I'm not going to turn Jesus over. I'm not going to uh, take this money from the Roman soldiers. I'm going to sit here and keep walking with him and supporting him during this journey. If he would have done that, would Easter be the same today? Will we look at Easter in the same way? So that's where I've heard some historians talk about is Judas part of the story to fulfill the way of jesus being betrayed and then being crucified and then we look at the resurrection story of how jesus was on the cross for our sins
1: in that way if he is sort of more of a made-up character than more rooted in history why do you think they needed that betrayal in the story
2: again some people look at it as how would jesus get to the cross and you're right there are multiple ways that jesus could have got went to the cross he could have went to the cross by uh the romans kicking in the door and grabbing him and taking him to the cross or uh it could have been a way where uh Jesus could have been just walking down the street and was arrested and taken to the cross. But that story, I think it seems more powerful to have someone in your in-group, someone who you was close with, someone who you considered to be a brother, someone who was a part of your family. Uh, the show, that story is the one who betrayed you, as we say, uh, the one who betrayed you with a kiss. And even that symbol of a kiss uh, means a lot to me. I spent a uh, In 2019, I was on my sabbatical in Egypt, one of the places I love to travel. And when I was there, I learned about a a old Egyptian text that was translated in 2013, but it's over a thousand years old. And in it, it talked about this kiss, suggested that why did Judas kiss Jesus? what was the whole point? And there was a story that said, Jesus was known to be a shapeshifter. (laughs) And so he would change. And I was fascinated by this story. That said he was shapeshift. And so it made it difficult for people to catch him. And so the sign of a kiss was the way for the Roman soldiers to know exactly who he was. So that's what I mean by these amazing stories because it brings the story alive. It brings that connection of Jesus being betrayed by someone close, where well, we all can somewhat relate to that story. We all live in a world where uh, people said they've been betrayed by their own family members, people who felt that we, we struggle with trust. Um, people look at Judas as, again, maybe he's part of that character because he was fulfilling the scripture. Uh, Jesus was supposed to be betrayed during that time to show that to go to the cross, it was someone close to him who who, uh, uh, who pushed or caused that, that fall for him to go to the cross during that time. So again, all these different stories we hear and, and different reflections, but overall, I look at it as Judas is someone that we all reflect with, that we all uh, struggle with, because we all, as human beings, make mistakes. We might have felt that we betrayed uh, someone before or we've been betrayed. And so I relate to him more than most clergy or most most people who read uh, the scriptures, because I see him deeply as a human being, instead of someone who just quickly just turned Jesus over and didn't care about him.
1: No, it is true. And one thing that I think is so important is that he was his friend. They were friends. They were such good friends. They decided to travel together. And I don't know about you, but that's like a different level of friendship to have someone that you want. To travel with,
2: yeah, and 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 I would also say, and I get it when we read the scripture. I, I think I shared with you before. There's the Gospel of Judas, and uh, people look at it from his perspective, the way of life, because again, we always talk about who controls history, the victory, and how the stories are being told. And I once read a, a book called The Flight of the Feathered Serpent, and it is a book. Uh, about Judas's life with Jesus and the events leading up to the betrayal, and the author of the book, I believe his name is Armando uh, Casani. I think is his name, and in the book, he talked about the relationships and he came to these different questions that he reflected about the account of the relationship with Jesus. And he said, in this book, in the Gospel of Judas, could Judas attempt is to clear his name and an effort to change the world's perspective? Of what they see Judas is, of how the world said he was someone who to betray Jesus. But Armando looked at it was was he fulfilling what Jesus was calling him to do? If you remember the scripture, going back to the where you know we just passed Holy Week and we're looking at Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, right? And you hear that uh after Jesus did the act and he turns to Judas and he says, Go do what it is that you have to do, right? So Jesus knew, right? That Judas was going to betray him. And so there are people who wrestle with that, where was he fulfilling scripture? Was Jesus telling him this is what have to be have to happen during this time? And so Judas went and did that. And so in Armando's book, he talks about that relationship and how the world judges Judas. And he said, you know, is Judas trying to clear his name in his own book? Because when I read the stories about Judas, I see a man who's afraid, a man who is struggling to unwrap his own priceless gift, because he was someone who walked with Jesus and with Jesus as a friend for a very long time. However, I wonder if Judas looked at Jesus in the same way that some of the other followers did. They said, This is the Messiah, the one we're going to follow. He is the one who's going to overturn the Roman Empire. He's the one that we've been waiting for, that the scripture has been fulfilling, telling us to come. And then when Jesus says, hey, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. And Jesus is not fighting, you know, as the warrior that they thought he was going to be. Did Judas look at it and say, maybe this is not the person who we thought. Maybe he's not the the Messiah who we all dream to come, and so it was easier for him to then say, "You know what? I'm turning over maybe an impostor." And I'm not saying that's what he was thinking, but I'm saying that's the assumption. Could he be that maybe this is not the the Messiah we thought? And so after Jesus was turned over, maybe he had to, as we say, come to Jesus moment and realize, <laughs> "Wow, I made a mistake. I really turned over uh, the person who." was who he said he was. And I made a mistake and how can I uh, fix that? And it was too late after that. So maybe he struggled with his own gifts that he had inside of him. And as I said, we all have that same thing. We all make those mistakes. We all wonder, uh, you know, if we were in Judas's shoes, would we have betrayed Jesus as well, not understanding or knowing who he was uh, or called to be during that time?
1: Jesus loved to talk in parables. So if we looked at Judas's sort of track or Mm -hmm. story in the Bible as a parable, Mm -hmm. what lesson do you think we're supposed to learn from that?
2: Uh, There are many lessons, but one of the lessons that I have shared with my congregation when I talked about Judas is, uh, is there a gift inside of you that wants to be unwrapped? And what I mean by that is is there this, this gift that you're called to do, you're called to serve others, you're called to love your, your neighbor as yourselves, to live into this world as a servant. And that's a gift that you have, a talent that God has blessed you with, and you're struggling to unwrap it. And I look at Judas as a story, as someone who struggled to unwrap that gift of someone who didn't know how he made mistakes in his lives and didn't know how to to come to Jesus and sit down and say, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time. So I look at it as a way of, could Judas have went to Jesus and said, I'm struggling, being more open and say, I don't know what it is that I need to do. Whereas human beings, we can do the same thing. When we're struggling of finding our gifts, struggling of unwrapping our gifts, struggling with things that are happening in our lives, is there someone who we are close to that we can go to instead of trying to deal with it on our own and make mistakes and maybe even betray a person when we make those mistakes so i look at that story as trying to unwrap the gifts that are within you and judas had a gift that he struggled with unwrapping because i still think he was a great treasurer even though others might think he wasn't i mean i think managing the book was a good job and that was a talent he had, but again, he he made a mistake, and and that's another lesson. We are human beings; we are all sinners, and we're going to make mistakes. And when we make those mistakes, how do we, you know, reconcile them? How do we ask for forgiveness? And uh, and I think that's what Jesus Jesus, in a way, was showing us that uh, we're going to make mistakes. There are going to be people around us who are going to make mistakes, and and we have to be there to forgive them as well. So.
1: Do you think there's a lot of examples in the Bible of people making mistakes and being able to move on from them?
2: Yeah. Uh, some people would say uh, Mary Magdalene.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, people would talk about her and those fields and her job as a, a, a prostitute. They would say again, people say it wasn't a mistake, and yet Jesus loved her. I would say Jesus would say she was probably one of his favorite disciples, and he beloved her for, and he didn't judge her for her past or anything that she's made. Um, I would say uh, (laughs) one of our, our good brother who we always talk about, David, King David, the great warrior, the one who took down Goliath and who is so beloved and everyone said, you know, Jesus is a descendant of David and we love him. Well, what about Bathsheba sending her husband out to the front of the battle line to be killed and he slept with a, a, a woman who was already married and yet repented and said, you know, uh, I made a mistake and and changed over his life and known as The beloved king, you know, one of the greatest kings. And so we all have made mistakes. There are many stories in the Bible about people who have made mistakes and repented, you know, turned around to come back to God. And as I said, Judas is someone, same way, who who made a mistake. um, And and that mistake has changed the storyline. And we've looked in the world and we look at the Easter story in a different way because that's part of the story. Every time we talk about the Easter journey, we talk about the story of the resurrection, we talk about the cross, Judas is a part of that story. We talk about the betrayal, we talk about the crucifixion, we talk about the women going to the tomb and the tomb being, he is a part of that journey going along. And is he part of fulfilling scripture? And, is he, and if he is part of fulfilling scripture, is he considered to be known as a villain or just a character in the story?
1: I think that's like sort of the eternal question with Judas: mm-hmm. in is he the villain or was he just playing a part? Mm-hmm. I
2: don't yeah, think. And, and you'll hear many different answers from people who, who talk about you know Judas's role. Uh, you know, I I've had conversations with uh, people in my community who talked about how do they see themselves in Judas? Because I've heard a lot of people see themselves in Judas. Some may look at others and say, well, you betrayed me, so you're a Judas. I don't know if you've heard that before. People mm-hmm. use that term all the time. You're such a Judas, because you you betrayed me and so forth. And then I've also heard people say, I feel like Judas that I'm struggling. I don't, I have a decision to make and I don't know what it is that I have to do. And so I feel like the decision that I'm gonna make may be the wrong decision. And so who do I go to and I talk to? And that's where I said, where Jesus, where Judas was struggling with a decision to make, who could he have went to? Could he have went to Jesus and say, uh, uh, Rabbi, you know, I'm struggling right now to make a decision and I don't know what it is to do. And if he did, if he had approached Jesus in that manner and said, I have a decision to make and I don't know what to do. And Jesus still turned around and said, do what you are called to do. Do what it is that you need to do. Is he really a villain or was he fulfilling what his Messiah was asking him to
1: do? That's true. Cause we, we will never know what conversations they had together.
2: Yeah, so we, and that's why you don't see, you know, you hear little stories about Judas here and there, but you don't see all the the complete stories. There's always the the missing stories, the stories that uh they're there, the conversations, what's going on. Uh, again, if you were in Judas's shoes, I'll ask you, what would you have done?
1: Me, I have no idea but I I feel like I do have some sympathy for him because it's like I am like very much not a burn down the system person I think you can change the system but I think that sometimes you can't just burn it down to change it so I could understand his frustration with Jesus or being scared with what his thoughts were.
2: And can you see yourself in his mistakes? That's the question I like to ask people, you know, in the mistakes, could you see yourself as someone who makes mistakes? You're not perfect, right? I, no, I just no,
0: Okay, no, <laughs> okay.
2: No. We, we all make mistakes, we all, you know, we all stray away, we're all, we're all sinners, and we all need to repent and come back to God, right? And so, uh, but yet, Judas seems to be the one who you know, people don't give that chance to. Right? They're saying, well, you know, he, he betrayed Jesus and that's it. And, and again, I, I know I'm walking on a very fine line when, when I talk about, when people hear me say, I see God in everyone, and we have to really spend time with people, build relationships, get to know them, to see that spark, that light of God within them. It's easy to hear that when I'm talking about someone who's like-minded. It's difficult to hear that when I'm talking about someone who you might consider to be evil or villain. And so where is God in all, in, in all of hum- creation? Where is God in all of humanity? Is God in you? Is God within me? Is God within everyone and everything that's been created because God breathed life into this world? And if that's the case, if we believe that God is in each and everything in this world, then was God in Judas and is God in those who we consider to be known evil in the world today? And if that's the case, how do we reconcile and how do we move forward as a world uh, today?
1: No, my, um, I may have said this on this podcast before, but my grandmother used to say that you have to love everyone, but you don't have to like anyone. And I think that is a really sort of interesting way of looking at what you're saying as well. And that it is that love and compassion for all people. And I don't have to like you to not wish ill on you or to think you're decisions are not the best or that something else could be happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think yeah. that sometimes that is the harder part of thinking about it in how do you respect people's dignity when you don't agree with what they are mm-hmm. doing or saying
2: yeah and, and that's where as I said coming to judas uh, I just feel like he gets a bad rap all the time. And and it's fair, you know, people will say we quickly live in a society where when someone makes a mistake, we jump on them right away and we beat up on their mistakes and sometimes not see the, the light or see God in them or the goodness within them. And now we're in a world where it's canceled culture. Judas probably would have been canceled right away. They'd have said, oh, he betrayed Jesus. Let's cancel Judas. Don't follow his Instagram page. Don't follow his Facebook page. We are no longer he is fired from his job and yet a lot of us we make mistakes, we make mistakes, but the key is, how do we turn around and come back from those mistakes and that's kind of. What I see in the story of of Judas uh, is how do we turn around, how do we repent for the mistakes that we've made and then there are a lot of questions where you reflect what 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 Judas did was that considered to be known as evil or was he fulfilling the scripture? Uh, is he only a traitor or is he also a disciple and brother of Jesus? Who, who is Judas? And that's the question that we all are asking and there you'll hear multiple answers about who he is. But for me, Randy Calendar, Judas will always be known as my brother because I see God, as I said, in all of creation. And so Judas made mistakes. And if he was to come to my church and said, I made a mistake, I turned our Lord and Savior Jesus over, I would sit down and I will welcome him into my office and we will talk about it. We will talk about the mistakes that he's made. We will talk about how he can repent. I will spend time with him helping to figure out what is it that's troubling him inside? What is going on within Judas that Judas is not releasing and letting people know where he's hurting? Uh, is there a sense of lack of trust? Uh, is he struggling with uh, poverty? You know, people might say, "No, he wasn't. He was the treasurer." But was he having a hard time with fun? Did he, as a treasurer, who taught him how to be a treasurer? Did he struggle not knowing how to manage money well, or did he learn from others that this is the right way of doing it? When you're managing money, you might have to take a little piece for yourself to make sure that you can feed your family, to take care of your friends, or Was Judas just, again, fulfilling what scripture has portrayed him to to fulfill?
1: This might be a little off topic, but I think it still connects in that the disciples replaced Judas to keep the number 12. They find a new disciple to bring in. And one, why do you think it's important that they brought in a 12th person? Why do you think they did that? and how does that look towards Judas then that he is this replaceable person
2: hmm. so there, there's many ways that you can look at the number 12 because you know as when you study numbers all the time in scripture mm-hmm. you see numbers of three five seven twelve all these numbers that pop up and so 12 has a a very uh Biblical and different meaning to it. And people can say 12 as an even number, you still can move two by two. When Jesus said, Go out two by two to make sure you go spread my message. And so to keep that number at an even number, instead of just having 11 disciples, you have 12. So you have two that go out and support one another. So that, of course, can be, and I would love to do that because I can explore some more history. That's another podcast to even talk about numbers. three, five, seven, twelve, 12, all that to explore. And I've had notes and some studies on that as well to look at. Um, but to say that he's someone that's to be replaceable, why I would go back and ask, why do you say it in that way? Because if it was another disciple who had passed away or who uh, had to go somewhere or made a mistake, uh, and then that person left and they wanted to go back to 12 ahead of another another number or another person, would you have said that the same way? Like, oh, that disciple was easy to be replaced. Oh, no, I would have. Okay. I would have use the
1: same language okay. for
2: didn't, Okay, because I did not know if it was because if it was Judas who, no. and as every society is saying, the, the betrayer, that you would say, oh, yeah, he's easy to be replaceable. And I, and I would, because I, I back up with that. It's more of, I don't think so much, yeah, let's replace Judas. He got on our nerves he made a mistake we need someone else who's better than him to the book but i look at it as the number of okay now that judas is not with the 12 we need another 12 to support number 11. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so number 11 you need 12 so you can go out two by two in a form of support Uh, because i don't look at anyone in life as saying oh you're replaceable i just look at it as that uh, there are some people in your life for a lifetime And there's some people in your life for a season. And there's some people in your life for a moment. But each and every person who enters into my life, I would say, uh, is a teaching moment. I learn from each individual that steps into my life, even if it was a good experience or a negative experience. I learn from, you know, I'll tell people I don't learn from my own mistakes. I learn from other people's mistakes as well. And maybe that's why I like Judas as well, because I learned from the mistakes that he has made and, said, uh, and say to myself, how would I respond or react if I was in his situation? It's easy for us as outsiders who are thousands of years past that to say, oh, I would have never betrayed Jesus. But and if we were in the, that time frame, we still are living in a world doing the same things that Judas would have d- done back then. We're just doing it in our own time frame in our own form here in this world. So each and every one of us are like Judas. We have betrayed someone, maybe not as big as uh, he did with Jesus, but we've all betrayed someone once in our lifetime. We've all uh, have done something that if someone else will look at our story and say, oh my goodness, that is so evil, I can't believe you've done that. You, As I said, living in the cancel culture, and cancel people quickly. So when I look at Judah's story, I don't look at him as just someone being replaced. I just look at him as someone who, as I said, I learned that he made a mistake and how can I learn from that? And he's part of the story. He's part of that story that we talk about. He's part of the journey that we go along. And maybe, yes, he's the villain to a lot of people in the world, But as I said, he's my brother who went through that journey, who walked the walk with Jesus Christ, who was very close to him. And he struggled. He struggled. He did not know what it was um, that he was called to do. He was struggling and he just said, you know, do I turn my friend, my brother in or do I tell him that the soldiers are coming after him and we need to hide him and protect him? And then maybe, and again, I'm—I don't know. I wasn't in Judas, Judas's heart or head at that time, but maybe on that Palm Sunday, when Jesus was on that donkey, and he was riding in into uh, the city, and everyone was getting excited, saying, "All right, it's about to happen. The battle is about to start. Jesus is going to turn over this Roman Empire. We are going to win." And when he walked in, and there was no war no fight. Jesus expressed a sign of love. Jesus was okay with, you know, loving your neighbors as yourself and Jesus was, you know, as some people would say, he was so kind and gentle and lovely and the only time he might express anger was flipping over the money uh table. That Judas all of a sudden in his heart thought, "Man, I thought he was the one to to start the battle." And maybe there was some doubt in his heart some doubt in his mind that maybe jesus the one i was with this whole time is not exactly the person who i thought he was going to be and he struggled with that and instead of going to jesus and saying rabbi i don't know what to do in this situation i'm struggling i'm having a hard time i don't know what to do judas allowed the evil thoughts the mistakes to take control and those mistakes led him down a a difficult path. And now because of that mistake he made, instead of talking to his rabbi and saying, I'm struggling, I need help, now the whole world is against him. And he's just this villain, this evil man who cannot defend himself right now here in this place. And then there may be others who are like me who would say, yes, he made a mistake, but he's still our brother and we need to receive him with open arms and teach others that when you're on that journey and you're about to make a mistake, turn to your fellow brother, turn to your fellow sister and let them know that you're struggling. There's something that's eaten up within you and you don't know what to do. And then when you turn to that friend, they can guide you and they can lead you down the right path instead of towards the mistake that you feel the urge and crave to move towards. And so that's how I look at yours I look at the person who made a mistake and just didn't know who to turn to. He struggled, he struggled with who to talk to, uh, and and money? Just like today, probably controlled the environment. You know, he 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 wanted money. You know, if I was to tell you right now, uh, I I will give you two hundred thousand dollars to run your podcast, but I want you to name it the Randy Podcast Show. Would you do that?
1: Yes.
2: Please <laughs> <laughs> be <are> honest. <laughs> you would say yes, the Randy Podcast yes. Show, and who knows. What could have been all behind that message? But quickly, you're like, "Oh, two hundred thousand dollars for that!" And you know, and Judas just got caught up. He got caught up in that tension. He got caught up in that money. He got caught up and in, in the world around him. And I know, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't have that friend to to help him. And I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So Judas is still in money, right? He's about to betray Jesus. Um. What were the other disciples doing? Did they, how, why weren't they aware what was happening, what was well, going they on?
1: They were not much better. <laughs> no. so, they, they all had their own issues. <laughs> it was definitely a ragtag kind of group.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yet, that we all uh, roam with our own ragtag kind of group. We all have those friends and <laughs> who we love and we support. And who were there to walk with. So Jesus had it, that was his team. That was his A-team right there, you know, and and He He loved them and they all make made their mistakes in, in their own ways. And as I said, not all my friends, family members, parishioners, members I mentor and pastor to in the community, none of them are perfect. They all make mistakes. Every so often I have people come into my office you know saying father i made a mistake and i need help and i need if it's drugs if it's alcohol if it's uh you know adultery it whatever it is we all make mistakes and when we turn around to repent for those sins and we we go to someone to ask for guidance then we're moving in the right direction when we hold them inside and we don't know who to turn to we don't trust anyone we don't go to anyone sometimes it can lead us down that that path and lead us deeper and deeper into a rough space and sometimes we just need help to get out of it. And so that's why I asked the question about the disciples uh to say where were they? Why weren't they helping Judas to kind of get him out of that that situation?
1: What I find interesting is that in that one night Jesus isn't just portrayed by Judas, he's also denied by Peter three times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I peter is given the chance to repent and be sorry and make a mistake and be forgiven in a way that i don't know judas was given yeah because i don't know the timeline of when he killed himself but i don't know if he was still alive when jesus rose yeah you know that timeline
2: no, I don't know the exact timeline. <laughs> the exact timeline, and and again, there are a lot of questions about that. Um, when exact timeline? I would I would, from studying and reading scripture, I would say that Judas uh, would have been gone before the resurrection. I, I would yeah. I would say that, of course. And so uh, you're right; he probably didn't have that chance to uh, to see and repent to say, "Wow, I was wrong." And uh, it's very careful too uh, when we talk about Judas's death and repenting for the mistakes they've made because now we lead down that difficult conversation of suicide Mm -hmm. and we talk about that and, and family members and people who struggle, who have lost loved ones to suicide, we have a hard time talking about that to say, you know, is that person forgiven for the sins that they have made? And one of the things that I go back to, again, Jesus, when we talk about love or forgiveness, and the disciples ask Jesus, you know, how many times should we forgive a person? Is it seven times seven or seven, you know, seven times? And Jesus said, no, 77 over and over. That means always be open to forgiveness, If someone is coming to you saying that I'm sorry, I made a mistake or w- want to repent, that you should show a sign of forgiveness. And that leads back to what you said to your grandma mentioned, say, you must love everyone, but you don't have to like everyone. Well, that leads to uh, you can work towards forgiveness, you may not forget what happened, you may not forget the things that others have done to you. And yet you can form that you can come to that form of forgiveness. And forgiveness sometimes, it's not always about the person, it's about yourself. It's about how do you let go. Um, a- a- Adam Hamilton talks a lot about forgiveness as kind of uh, when you're carrying burdens and, and things and that people have done to you, it's like carrying little pebbles in your book bag. And you're walking around the world with this heavy bag. And there are certain rocks that you can take out and get rid of. Like if I'm walking down the street and I open up a door and you're behind me and I hit you with the door by accident, Ivy, then you'll quickly say, wait a minute, Randy, you just hit me with the door. And if I say, I'm sorry, you're like, that's fine. You you didn't see me there. I forgive you. So that's a little pebble that you take out of your bag and you pluck away. So there are little pebbles like that with forgiveness when we're forgiving people. And there are things where some people might compare it to judas betraying jesus there are things where it would someone murdered someone a loved one in your family or someone who's been raped in your family or something just brutal has happened and you struggle with that uh Adam hamilton talks about that being a boulder a boulder being in your book bag is really weighing upon your back no one is going to take a boulder out of their bag and throw it away when someone says i'm sorry do you forgive me and you don't quickly forgive them. He talks about chipping away, chipping away at the boulder. It may take five years, it may take 10 years, it may take a lifetime, but as you chip away at that boulder to forgive that person who has said, I'm sorry, eventually that boulder will become a pebble. And then you can take that pebble and you can pluck it away. So chipping away is not forgiving. Chipping away is moving towards that forgiveness day after day, Uh, year after year. And so Judas betraying Jesus for a lot of people is a boulder, but most people haven't started to chip away at it. Most people are still walking around with that boulder in their backpack, carrying it, saying, I can't believe he did that, not knowing that other people are carrying our own boulders because of things that we have done to them. And that they're probably chipping away at the things and the mistakes that we have made, but we're still carrying this boulder of Judas and we haven't started chipping away at it. And so I believe throughout my lifetime, throughout my ministry, throughout my time of learning about Judas, because I don't know everything about Judas. You know, I'm still studying and learning about Judas, but just taking time to learn about him. I've been chipping away at that boulder. I've been chipping away saying, you know what, Judas is my brother. He made a mistake. And if Jesus can turn to a criminal on a cross and say, today you will be with me in paradise, then surely Judas can be forgiven for the mistakes that he has made. And so we all need to just chip away at that boulder, chip away at the things that Judas has done wrong, chip away at the mistakes that we all have made in our own lives and learn how to forgive and learn how to really live into that agape love that Jesus calls us to live in.
1: I just want to bring up one more point <laughs> until we end, is I think what's interesting is sort of what, um, what pop culture has sort of done with the Judas character, um, especially in like, I feel like the one most people know is Jesus Christ Superstar. Then mm-hmm. um, you have that song where it literally is just like Judas being like, I don't understand why you're doing the things you're doing don't understand how things got so out of hand like I don't get it and I feel like recently and by recently I mean like the last 50 years I feel like Judas has gotten an an interesting amount of sympathy in popular culture and I was wondering if you had any
2: Thoughts on that? Well, well, I'm going to commit a sin here or confess to a sin here on your podcast. I've never seen Jesus a superstar. All right. I'll
1: sing
2: you the song. It's a good song. So I, I I've never uh, watched it, so I don't know to, to relate to that, but just hearing stories of how people in pop pop culture look at Judas and uh You know, as I said, people will say, oh, you're a Judas because of betrayal or you're a Judas because of mistakes that you have made and how Judas get a bad rap. Now, there's another movie that I haven't seen, but I know more about it than Jesus Superstar because I've heard plenty of kids. My son is eight years old and he'll be nine in September. And I've heard this song over and over and over again. And it's called We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yes, and we don't talk about Bruno. And again, I haven't seen the movie Encanto yet. Why but I... not?
0: It is such a
2: good movie. <laughs> yeah, my wife keeps telling me that. Like, you need to watch it. My wife, oh. my wife has watched Encanto at least three times, and my nieces and nephews have all watched it. And I haven't sat down yet. Maybe today I'll watch it, but I haven't watched the movie. Days
1: the day, man.
2: <laughs> and I realize, and this the story of uh, we don't talk about Bruno is again the whole way of looking at who is bruno and again i've never watched the movie but hearing stories from kids and my wife and talking to people it sounded like that bruno in a way was misunderstood completely and that you know bruno in everyone's eyes in the world bruno is a villain bruno is the person who everyone is saying he's wrong he, he bruno makes mistakes bruno is leading and again i haven't seen the movie but bruno is leading us all down the wrong path. And so he's the villain in the story. And so we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about this villain. We don't talk about who this guy is. And then from my son, again, without seeing the movie, he explains that to me, Bruno is not a villain. And he said, Daddy, Bruno is not a bad guy. And now it's like, well, maybe I need to watch this movie because everyone's like, we don't talk about Bruno. And, and no, 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 we don't talk about Bruno. And I'm like, well, who's Bruno and why we can't talk about him? <laughs> and then daddy's like, no, Bruno's a good guy. Uh, they don't understand Bruno. They don't know the powers that Bruno have or they don't understand his power. And when my son is telling me this without again, watching the movie, it can reflect for, reflect back on Judas. You know, either we don't talk about Judas, or we talk badly about Judas. But who is Judas? And and did is Judas in the same lines of Bruno? I don't know. Again, I haven't seen the movie. But Bruno later on is a beloved brother in the family, right?
0: And yeah. he's someone
2: he who's a part back. of him. yeah. He comes back, and he's someone who's later on people learn to understand him, right, in the story. And so I think over time, when we do more reflections, when we do more studying, when we really learn about look at Judas, as our brother, look at Judas as a human being, uh, see God in Judas, maybe we'll talk about Judas in a different light. Maybe people will talk about Judas in a manner the way that I'm talking about him as a child of God, and and not just see Judas as just as villain in a story. And so just even sit here, talk to you about Judas. I think I need to watch Encanto today. <laughs> I
1: think you do. I have not, I have watched Encanto. Okay. It's a gorgeous movie. I think you'll like it. But I hadn't thought about, we don't talk about Bruno in the context of Judas. And now that you're saying it, I can really see that. Like, I really get what you're saying with that. And I think that's really an interesting way to put it because at the end of the movie, like, spoilers um but like he does like come back to the family and is welcomed with open arms and with love and they learn to understand each other and i think that that's a really great goal to have in any yeah
2: so so maybe we'll we'll have a song that you can help put together to talk about we're we're now talking about judas <laughs> yeah we'll <laughs> write a parody
1: <laughs> awesome. well thank you so much for being a part of today's episode do you have any social medias that you would like to plug how can we connect with you
2: well with st phillips church we have a facebook page and i always tell people you can go to our facebook page it's st phillips 1l uh in annapolis maryland and so if you just type in st phillips annapolis maryland you'll find our facebook page or people can go to uh, stphilips.org And that's our website and they can learn information about the church. But one plug I always like to push, it has nothing to do with the church, but it's its dear to my heart. And I think people should really check it out is a couple of my friends who are not clergy. Uh, we have a Instagram page. It's a foodie page. I love food. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's called Good Eats. And then there's an X DMV. So, and it's on Instagram. And so we go to different restaurants, around the country um, and especially most of them are in the DMV area because we're all living in the DMV area. and I've also posted places when I was on sabbatical, different foods and things that I had the opportunity to eat. So it's just a fun Instagram page. If people like to food, they want to try different things, we highlight it on that page.
1: You're gonna have to come up to Rhode Island. We have some great restaurants up here.
2: Okay, I'd love to, to check it out and, and add it to our foodie page.
1: Yes, definitely. Well thank you so much.
2: All right. Thank you, Ivy. Take care.
1: They
0: lived not only in
1: ages past, there
0: are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school, or in lanes, or at sea, in church, or in trains, or in shops, or at tea. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I need mean to be one
2: too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology. We would like to thank our sponsor, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island, and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. You can follow us at Teatime Theology on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This season of Teatime Theology is hosted and organized by Ivy Swinsky. Our music is mixed and performed by Morayo Akande. The podcast is recorded and edited by me, Taylor Wilkie.